to God be the glory. We thank God for tonight. Thank God for his presence. We thank God for the gathering of the saints. May we please be seated. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Tonight, I would like to be speaking to us from the book of the last book of the Bible. But before I do that, I'd like to say this, that the season and the period we live in, it is important that we gather in God's house to hear God's word. Because there is the possibility for the righteous to become discouraged. There is a possibility for the godly to be weakened in their faith. There is a possibility for those that are standing, that have made a stand for God, a decision to serve God with all their hearts. There is a possibility, especially in these times, to come to the place where you are wearied in your walk. Because we see so much evil, evil abounding, people scheming and having their way. People doing all kinds of things and getting away with it. And you, and you wonder, not that you want to join them, but you wonder, what is going on? Isn't there any retribution for such people? Hey, what is happening? What is going on? And I would like to read to you Psalm 73. From verse 12. Behold... This is, the, this is Asaf's, Asaf's contemplation, Asaf's dilemma. I mean, and he, he says from the verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It, it was too painful, you know, when you come to the realization that evil people seem to be rising and evil seem to be winning the game. And every corner you turn, people are scheming, doing all kinds of things, and they're getting away with it, and they're winning, and it, it seems to be the popular thing to do. And Asaph says, until, verse 17, until I went into the, into the sanctuary of God, then I understood the end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down unto destruction. So here tonight I've come to encourage you. Tonight I've come to let you know that you see it is important that in these times in all that is happening that we make our feet 
sure and prompt into, into the house of the living God. That we be quick to gather ourselves to hear what God has to say in his sanctuary. That we give attention, that we make preparation, that we make, we make it, it, it a priority that hearing what God has to say to us become a priority in our lives. Because it's only in a sanctuary that we will have understanding of what is going on. And our, for our hearts to be encouraged and for us to keep on pressing on in faith. Hallelujah, someone. Hallelujah, someone. Amen. If you are in this house tonight, I want you to respond. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now come with me, please, if you will, to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. And I will read from the verses 11 to 15 to the end, basically. Revelation 20. And 11 to 15. Right. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, which is the book of life, and the dead. Sorry, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. God have mercy. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Say to yourself, God, my Father, I am eternally grateful for your salvation. Oh, say it with some conviction. God, my Father, I am eternally grateful for your salvation. No, you see, you want to say what, you, what, you, what, I just, what you just said with some form of confidence. Wherever you are, you may be watching me on your phone or on the TV or whatever you do. I want you to speak these words with confidence. God, my Father, I am eternally grateful for your salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, God will provide a frightening and unmerciful judgment and punish eternally 
all who practice evil and have no respect for him. I'll say it again. God will provide a frightening and an unmerciful judgment and punish eternally all who practice evil and have no respect for him. This is what God will do. C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said there are only two kinds of people in the earth. Only two people. Two. No more than that. Two kinds of people. He says those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God will say, thy will be done. <laughs> those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God will say in the end, thy will be done. Do you get a statement? There are some who say, God, to God, God, your will be done. And there are others whom God will say in the end, thy will be done. Be done. Here in this passage of scripture, Revelation 20. Before this passage, we see the master schema, the one that has troubled the nations, the one that has accused the brethren, the one that has lied and done all kinds of things and caused people to turn away God, turn against God. I'm talking about Satan. We see him put in chains for a thousand years, bound. Released for a short period. And then finally cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Done. Done with him. Then we also have in this passage or in this book a recording of the false prophets also cast in the lake of fire. Then when we come to verse 11, John says, John records a terrifying sight that he sees. John here sees the last day of this earth that we live in. The last day. John gives us a preview. Oh God. God has given us a, a, a preview. By the vision he gave John. The last day on this planet we call earth. The last day. This is the last day of mankind. On the, in the earth. Or on the earth. The last day. And how shall this day be? How is this day going to be? 
A day is coming when man would have his last chance or his last moment on this planet earth. No one is going to abide on this earth forever and ever. My favorite quote is this, and no one, no one will ever live to become a stone. No one. Tombs, graves, tombstones, everything would have its last day on earth. Even dead bodies will have their last day on everything will have its last day on earth. It's a frightening scene John introduces us to in this passage. The first thing he tells us is this. He says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled, and there was, no, and, and was found no place for, for them. He says he sees a great white throne. A throne is a symbol of a kingdom. A kingdom. It informs us that John is looking at royalty. He's looking at a royal scene. And what kind of royalty is this? He says it is a great white throne. Great. Great indicating that it was large, it was magnificent, it was mega, a colossal throne, a great throne, a magnificent throne, a wonderful throne, an uncommon throne, a strong and mighty throne, a throne whose kind he's not seen in the earth before. Large, vast, mighty, and strong. It has the appearance of strength and great stature. It has no, sin, no signs of weakening or no signs of, of being afraid or no signs of ever crumbling down. It's a great throne. And he says it was white. A white throne. White indica indicating purity, cleanness. Holiness, indicating light, brilliancy, light, and finally it indicates transparency. So what does he see? He sees a white, a throne, a magnificently strong and powerful royal scene. Which portray or betrays purity, holiness, and transparency. So the throne he sees is a throne, is a magnificent, great, and powerful throne. Which portrays holiness. Which portrays purity. Which portrays transparency. Is a kind that is not seen in the earth. This throne, what makes it great, what, what makes it mighty, is a, is a sense that it is pure, it is transparent, 
it is clean. It's an impartial throne. Most thrones, most royal thrones are made great. Most thrones, most power, most governments depend upon military for their power, for their words, and for what they say. But for this government, for this throne, its power comes from its light, its transparency, its purity, its truthfulness, its holiness. That's where its strength and its power comes from. And who is it that occupies this throne? Who is it that is occupying this throne? John, John does not tell us exactly who sits on this throne. Hello. John doesn't tell us who sits on this throne. But he describes something about the throne. Hello. He describes something about it. He says... And he, I saw a great white throne, a royal scene, a magnificent scene of royalty, purity. And I saw the one who sat on it. And then he says, he doesn't, he doesn't say who, but he says at the sight, at the sight of this person who sits on the throne, the earth and the heavens fled away. Brothers and sisters, I want to announce to you that the one who sits on this throne is the one he mentions in the verse 12. And he says, and I saw them, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The one who sits on the throne is God Almighty. And it is before him the earth and the heavens fled. This scene, precious one, God has given us a preview of his day. This scene that John gives us, calls us into, is God's courtroom. And in, in this courtroom, something terrible happens. At the sight of God, at the sight of the, of the one who sits on this throne, the earth and the heavens, that is the sky, vanish. The earth that, was, that took six days to create, and every, the creation, everything that God took time to do, and man has done so much in it, and man has put so much pride in it, and man has put so much confidence in it, at the sight 
at the sight of Almighty God, the earth will flee. And the sky will be no more. And see how it is coming. And it says, and there was no place found for them. That means they will not be chained to something else. They will be gone and there will be nothing. Nothing. This scene here is that description is, is John is describing the uncreation of the earth and the and the and the sky. The one who created it out of nothing. In Genesis, in Genesis, it recalls that in the beginning, the earth was, with, was without form and void. There was nothing. On this day, God uncreates everything. And there is nothing. There is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Everything is gone. Satan himself is bound in the lake of fire. And the earth and the sky is gone. With a single sight. In Jeremiah 4 verse 23. Jeremiah 4 verse 23. We have this. We have this for us. He says, I beheld the earth. 23 to 26. He says, I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens and they had no light. I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld and lo, there was no man and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. And all the cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. That means the sight with which God looks, it was a sight of anger. It was a burning anger of God. And this burning anger, anger of God melts away the earth. And the sky and the heavens. Again in Second Peter chapter three, verses ten to twelve. Second Peter three, ten to twelve. Peter records for us. He says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." And the earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness? Looking for, for and hasten unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Everything shall be melted away, and there will be no place Found for it. Everything shall be gone. 
precious ones. The earth we live in, this earth will not remain forever. This earth does not abide forever. It's not going to be forever as some men put their hopes in it. They kill and murder and do all sorts of things. They abuse and disabuse and do all kinds of things to one another. Once they live here. And some take pride in so many things. They take pride in their land, take pride in their cars, take pride, pride, pride in everything. And they have no value for mankind or the causes of God. But all these things shall melt away. And there shall be no place found for it. You see, science has taught man that matter, the first thing you learn in science class, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. They say it was made, there was something, and they propound all kinds of theories, and they say it can never be destroyed. It can never be created nor destroyed. My here we see at the sight of God, it goes away. And there's no place found for it. It doesn't exist. Void. Void. The God who made the earth is able to take it all away. As I've said, I was troubled when I considered the ways of the wicked. How they are prospering to get that way with stuff. Until I entered God's house and I understood the end. That tonight, God's people shall come to a place where they understand what shall be in the days ahead of us. That the hearts of the believers shall be comforted. And it shall be a warning unto the evil in our days. God have mercy. Hallelujah. Job 9 verse 6 says to us, Job 9 6, Job says that the foundation of the earth shall be shaken. It says, we shake the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble. God is able to shake if he's not shaking things, it's because he has his purpose and his plans. Our God is not weak. God is terrible. This is a frightful scene. It's a frightful scene. Why do I say it's a frightful scene? Look at the verse 12. Look at the verse 12. In the verse 12, he says to us, and I saw after describing that the earth vanishes, it's no more, it's no rolled away and put somewhere. It vanishes, no earth, no heaven, no, no, no sky, everything gone. He says now. See, so let me, let me, let me emphasize this point. The God who made the earth takes it away. The one who created the earth, uncreated, and everything therein, takes them all away in a single sight. 
And John says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Beloved, I come to tell you, this is a description of man's last day in the courtroom of God. This is man's last day. Man throughout our generation. From time immemorial, time past. Up to this time. God has been speaking to mankind. Through his prophets. Through his servants. God has been speaking. God's gospel, the gospel is being, is being, is being, is being preached. The mind of God is being declared. The love of God, the mercy of God, every goodness of God is being poured out to mankind. Some are taking it and some are rejecting it. But a day is coming where a, where a man will have to stand before God's court, in God's courtroom, before God's, God's, God's throne. And that will be man's last day in this earth. Last moment. And this is it. There's a picture we see in this text. So man is going to stand before God's courtroom. And he says. I saw. The dead. Small and great. The dead here doesn't mean that what John saw were just dead bodies or dead whatever. It's a description of their previous state. Hello. John is describing the previous state of these people. That, the dead that have been summoned before God. Hallelujah. The dead summoned before God and he says small and great. That means poor and rich. Young and old. Peasants and kings. Everyone. Indicating that. There shall be every class. All the classes. That men have. Raised up. Or that men have come up with here on this earth. Every class shall be present. No one shall escape. No one shall hide anywhere. You see, the question, the, the question is, where would you hide? Because before he summoned everyone, before he summoned everyone, he's done away with the earth. So where would you hide? Nowhere to hide. Because the earth isn't there anymore. It's gone. The earth and the heavens is gone. So no one, no one, <laughs> Yeah. Our God is frightening but fair in judgment. It's a frightening scene. You see, some people are good at bribing their way 
And when they are summoned to a court, they will pay huge amount of money and will not appear in, in court. And although they are guilty, the case will be ruled in their favor. We see these things here on this earth. But on this day, no one, no one will be exempted. I saw the dead, small and great, everyone, all class of people, high and mighty, strong and weak, bold and fearful, every one of them shall appear, stand before this courtroom of God. It is called the white throne judgment of God. The white throne judgment of God. Everyone shall stand before him. No one exempted, no one. There are some people who do all they can to avoid. You see, in number 16 verse 12, we have Dathan and Abiram. They've done wrong things and Moses called some of them for a meeting. Boldly, they, they told Moses, we will not come. And truly and truly, they did not go. So there are such men on earth. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. So there are men like that. They go the wrong way. You summon them, they will not show up because they are, they are full of pride. They are too boastful. Full of themselves. But all shall end that day. That day none shall be able to say, I will not turn up. Man's pride will not work that day. You see, this courtroom is going to be a fearful courtroom. It will be a trial without jury. There will be no jury present. There will be no defendant lawyer. Only a condemning and unmerciful judge sitting on the white throne, the great white throne. Unmerciful? Yes. There will be no sympathy on that day. There will be no appeal on the sentences. No right of appeal in that courtroom of God. That last day, there will be no right to appeal anything. There will be no cross-examination of facts. There will be no defending lawyer. There will be no one except the books. The books. And the book of life. The books of God will be opened. The books of God will be opened. But who are these people to be judged? Who are these people who are being judged? Who are they? These are the wicked dead. The wicked dead. Those who have rejected the worship of God. 
Those who've turned their backs on God. Those who do not re re regard God and reject Him. And I saw the dead, small and great. You see, if you look at chapter 5, verse 20, sorry, if you look at chapter 20, verse 5, rather, the verse 5, just go up a bit, just the verse 5. The verse 5 says, But the rest of the dead live not again, until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Okay, let's go to the verse. Let me take it from, let me take it from, from the verse 4. From, from the verse 4, please. The verse 4 reads, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, for the witness of Jesus, of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived again and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These are the born again. These are the believers who reign with Christ. These are the believers in Christ. Those that worship God. Those that bow their knee and their heads unto God. They that recognize God as their father and worship him. So these are different from the dead that John sees in Revelation chapter 20 verse 12. Again, if we go to John chapter 5, verse 24, you see, all the promises that God gives, they are yea and amen. Hallelujah. All of God's promises are yes and amen. This, what we call the white throne judgment, the white throne judgment is not a judgment of believers. Hello. It is a judgment for the wicked dead. There is a judgment for believers. It's, it's called the Bema judgment, right? The judgment seat of Christ. And the word is Bema, which means a place where we go to receive rewards for our good works. Done. Hallelujah. Why do I say that? Because in John chapter 5 verse 24, this is what Jesus Christ says. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. The word condemnation there is the word judgment. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. So the believer has passed from death to life. He's passed judgment. There's no judgment for those in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. There is no judgment. The believer has, is past judgment. His case is over. John 3.18, please. John 3.18. In John 3.18, the Lord says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, is not judged. Hello? The same word judged. He that believeth on him is not judged. But he that believeth not is judged already. So believers are not part of this. Again, I would like to read first 
John chapter 6 verse 40, please. John 6 verse 40. John chapter 6 and the verse 40. And this is a will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting what? Life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Hallelujah. I will raise him up at the last day. And these are the people that in Revelation says that they are part of the first resurrection. Blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection. Those that are raised up. But those that have no part. Those that remain to die. This dead which are appearing before God in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 20. These are the wicked dead. Who are raised up to be judged. For all that they have done. In their lives. But the righteous ones. Will not come into judgment. First John 3 verse 13 please. First John 3 verse 13. Also reads. Hallelujah. Is it 2, two verse 13 sorry. Praise Jesus. Actually, actually, sorry, John 5, 1 John 5, please. 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 11. 1 John 5, 11. Sorry. 1 John 5, 11. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son has not life. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Praise the Lord. That those who believe in the Son have eternal life and will not come into the judgment. Praise God. So the people we're dealing with here what we see here in what we see in Revelation chapter 20 are the wicked dead. Those that decided they would not serve God, they would not worship God, they would not even recognize God, they will continue to do their evil things and have nothing to do with God and hate God and even sabotage those who want to serve God. This are the wicked the dead. That stands in verse 12. And they stand there for what purpose? They stand there to be judged according to what? The books and according to their works. What books? What books? Some say the Bible, some say God's books. But I will say, the text says books. So why choose one? Why not put both together? I believe that the word of God will be there. The written word of God will be there. And the books of records would also be there. You see, in the book of Esther, chapter 6, verse 1, we understood that the, king, that the kings have records of things that people do. 
There are such records. God also keeps such records. So the judgment of people will be according to what is here in God's word and the things that, that have been recorded, historical things in the lives of people. All these books will be open. That their lives will now be weighed against these books. Come to Daniel 7 verse 10 please. Daniel 7. Daniel 7, 9 and 10. Let's take this. Let, let's take the Daniel, Daniel 7. Let's take 9 and 10 together. Hallelujah. Praise God. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Thrones, kingdoms were cast down. Governments, seats, thrones, kingdoms were cast down. And the ancient of days did sit, hallelujah, he sat down, whose garment was as white as snow, indicating transparency, purity, brightness, holiness. And the hair of his head is like the pure wool. His throne was like fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him, from, from before him. Thousands, thousands, thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. So we run from the Old Testament, this, this, this understanding that there are books before God in which things are being recorded. Is set in scripture. Hello. Psalm 65 verse 8. David also make mention of the books of God. Psalm 65 verse 8. David talks about the books of God. He says. Hallelujah. He says. David talks about the, he talks about the books of God. He says, they, they're all, 56 verse 8, 56 verse 8. Praise God. Psalms, please. David talks about the, David also, also talks about the books of God. 56 verse 8, rather, please. He says, thou tellest my wanderings, put down my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy books? David was talking about how people have done wrong against him. And he was talking about his tears, how he's crying. And he said that, are all these things not in your books? That means, that means, as we live our lives, our history is being recorded in the books of God. And our deeds, every human deed is being recorded. Hmm. So the things that mankind does and things that, well, I have gotten away with it. Nobody saw it. It's being recorded. God is recording every deed of every man. Be, be, 
Before I continue, let me read Exodus 32 to us too. Exodus 32, 32 and 33. Moses. The idea of books of God. Exodus 32, verse 32 and 33. Praise God. Verse 32 first. And then verse 33. Yet now, this is Moses talking to God and asking him to forgive Israel. And he tells God, God, if you will not forgive me, then write my name out of thy book. Yet, if thou will forgive, if thou will forgive their sin, and if not, brought me, I pray thee, out of that book which thou hast written. Verse 33. And God's reply is this. Whosoever have sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. So God himself testifies that he's got a book. And he says, it is that person that I will blot out from my book. So there is a book of God. So when man, is, man thinks that he's getting away with things, man must understand. Every human law, every human being must understand that things are being recorded daily, moment by moment. Everything that we do is being recorded. And the judgment shall be according to this. Hey, I've come to, to tell you, God is a fair judge. His judgment is fearful. It's frightening, but he's fair. Why? Because it shall be according to the books. He makes us understand in the scriptures that everything that he writes in his book is also recorded in the heart of men. You see, what would happen is this. When God reads, when, when the angels read the writings that are there in the, in, the, in, the, in the book, there shall be a resonance in every heart that this is what indeed I did. There will be no escape. Men can appear in court and when they are asked, a question. They lie. And they say, no. I don't know anything, anything about it. On that day, there will be no lie. Because the one who sits on the throne, the judge who's, who, whom at his sight, the earth and the heavens flee, his eyes are like a flame. He looks straight into every heart. And every heart will know that his searching eyes are looking straight into my heart. And it's clear. Whatever he's saying, every soul will know within him that yes, this is true. The judgment shall be according to the books. It shall be according to the books. There are some people who always like their matter to be dealt in secret. When they do something wrong, they want to be reprimanded or told off in secret. On this day, there will be no, there will be no private sentence. 
Every sentence shall be public. Because the small and great, everyone will hear. Everyone will see. There will be no private judgment. No private sentence. No little room. Rebuke and reprimand. Everything shall be public. Small and great. No one will be able to bribe his way through. Because there will be no one to bribe. Only an unsympathetic, unmerciful, condemning judge sitting on the great white throne. There will be no mercy on that day. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Let me say to Christians, this courtroom judgment is not for any believer's vindication, but it's God's own judgment upon sin. For all of us had not been by grace would have been in this place, would have been part of this judgment. But by grace, we escape. This judgment is purely God's own judgment and punishment for the sin. The room he's given mankind, all his. And everyone shall be brought to account. Sometimes we say, they, they did all the evil and they died. And no one ever challenge them or judge them on, on, on anything. On this day, everything shall be brought up again. Nothing, nothing in God's earth goes unrecorded. No one will escape it. Everyone. And I'm talking about the wicked dead. So every evil that men are doing right now, it will not go unpunished. It will not go unpunished. It will be judged. It will be open and it will be public. And guess what? No one shall hide. Watch this, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. All these places were places of abode. All these places were places where the wicked were being kept. Their reason was because their reason for being death came because of sin. Death are taking hold of people. People have died in all kinds of places. Hey, says the sea will release its, its dead. Death will release all the dead that it has. And Hades, Hades will also release every death, every dead person. So there shall be no one hiding anywhere. And the reason why they will need to release their deaths to be judged is because death and hell itself will be cast in the lake of fire. Look at it in the verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So no one, no one 
No one escapes God's judgment. God's fearful but fair judgment. No one will ever escape it. Let the believers take comfort and encouragement from this. But let the unbeliever fear and turn from his wicked ways. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, we understand that when the wicked man turns away from his ways, the books that were against him are replaced with books of life. His name is, trans is transferred into the book of life. So let the wicked man take warning and turn. Turn away from his sin. Desist from evil. Stop his wicked ways and rebellion against God. And let no man think he will ever escape. Here before human beings and among men, men can use money, money to buy anything. But on this day, there will be nothing to buy. Everyone is in danger for himself. Everyone is in trouble before the judge of the earth. Abraham asked a question. Will not the judge of the whole earth do right? Yes, he will do right. He will be fair. But he's fearful. And his judgment is great and terrible. No man escapes it. You see, the reason why we are talking about this subject today is because it is in scripture. But because we've not spoken about them, believers are getting fearful and worried and troubled and some are getting discouraged. But it's about time those that are putting their trust in Christ are encouraged to know that no one, no soul, it's ever getting away with evil. For God will judge on that D-Day. And every works. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Every single work that any man has done. Some people do their work in secret. And no one sees them. On that day, they shall be revealed. They shall be judged. There are others also who are bold and daring. They do evil. And they know you can't do anything about it. So they do it in your face. You can see it. But there's nothing you can do about it. And they get over it and they just go on doing evil. All works. All these works shall be judged on that day. And man will receive his due. There shall be no escape. So death and hell were cut into the lake of fire. This will be the second death. Anyone who does not take part in the first resurrection is headed for the second death. And now watch this. Remember that when the books were open, another book was, was, was also open. It's called the book of life. And in verse 15, it tells us, 
And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the books are open. God is a fair judge. There shall be no argument. There shall be no discussion. There shall be no cross-examination, like I said earlier on, of the cases. It will be as the judge says. This is what you've done, and it's clear, and you know it, and your name is not in this book. Your part is in the lake of fire, which burns with, with sulfur. You see, Christ told someone, said, don't fear those who kill the body, but cannot destroy the soul. Fear him who is able to kill both the body and the soul in hell. And God will destroy Satan and everyone and all the evil men who have found their place in the, in, the, in the lake of fire. God will get rid of evil forever and ever. Hallelujah. God gets, will get rid of evil forever and ever. If you thought you're standing in the faith, you're doing righteousness, if you thought all was in vain, I've come to encourage you today that hey, God has an agenda to get rid of evil completely on the face of the earth. And so, you practicing righteousness right now. It's your practice. Keep on practicing it and perfect it. Hallelujah. Because God is calling you to a new earth and a new heaven. Now come with me to chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. Praise God. After God put Satan and the wicked in the lake of fire, the next chapter, John says, And I see a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. That's the reason why God gets rid of, his, of, his, of this earth. Because he's bringing in a new heaven and a new earth. Glory be to God. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Hallelujah. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Beloved, this is the hope of the saints. This is the encouragement of the saints. Be encouraged. Be lifted up. Be stirred up. That hey, what you believed, what you've held, what you've held on to, is eternal. It's eternal. It's eternal. There's a new heaven coming, a new earth coming, a new earth where there will be no more evil. God deals with it in the lake of fire completely. You are wondering why is evil continuing? A mount, mountain up and mountain up and mountain up and mountain up. Yes, it's mounting up into the lake of fire. It's mounting up to destruction. God will deal with it completely in the end. Hallelujah. God is in the program of pursuing his plan. In Genesis, when he set out to create the earth, to fill it with his will and purposes, God is still on that same agenda. He's not finished. He's not finished. What we, are, what we are in right now is only interim. It's interim. Hallelujah. 
We come to the house of God to hear the end of the wicked and to know what God has in store. And tonight, I've come to encourage you. Come to stir you up to know that yes, this interim period will end. There's a day coming where God will do away with evil completely and will punish it and will judge it. And wicked souls and Satan himself. Satan is not eternal. He will not live forever. Hallelujah. Don't ever be frightened and think that he will be there forever. No! Those that are born again will be in the new heaven. And so it will be in the new earth. Praise God. And I, John, verse 2, 21. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and it shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The fearful but fair judge will wipe evil away completely because his plans, he is still on the agenda of establishing his will here on this earth. This is our time of standing in righteousness, standing in purity, standing making ready for our rewards. Praise God. The wicked will be done away with completely. Wicked will not reign. Wicked will not live forever. It's a day coming. It's a terrible day. It's called a white throne judgment. When God will wipe evil from the face of the earth. To God be the glory. Amen. If you hear me tonight, or whatever time you're hearing me, you are not born again. You don't know God. You've been thinking that there's no need for God. You've been saying to yourself, we don't need God to live right or wrong. You've been thinking about evolution. Your head is filled with, 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 with evolutionary theories and all kinds of things and, and a big bang theory. But I'm, I've come to, to, to tell you, <laughs> this earth, at the sight of God's fierce anger will melt away and to be nowhere to be seen. That doesn't mean you, you escape. There's a fearful judgment awaiting. But today I've come to tell you this is God's preview. This is God's love showing us what is to come. But if today you will turn from your wicked ways and say, God, I repent, forgive me and save me, you will be transferred from, those, from that book that is heading towards the white throne judgment into the book of life. Today, you make that choice. Make that choice and accept the Savior into your heart. Let him change you and serve him. He's a loving God 
we are in a period of grace, but a day is coming where he will sit as judge. And there will be no sympathy. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself. How can a loving God punish? Precious one, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. The God you have created eaten in, your, in your own mind is not worth serving. That's why you don't serve him. Because the God that's in your mind is your own creation. A God who never punishes evil. But the God of the universe whom who created you and made all things that God is not subject to your little thinking or your little philosophical mind. He's bigger than it. He's loving and he's also a fearful but a fair judge. Understand that and submit to him today. That if you are born again, you want to take comfort, you want to take courage from this and thank him for saving you from the great damnation the great judgment that is coming you are saved and you want to thank him and you want to pursue you want to you want to put your energies you want to become dedicated to, to, to his cause yes you are faithful but become dedicated for most people are not dedicated to God you are faithful. You are loyal. Yes, you love God. But you are not dedicated. It's time you became dedicated to the cause of God. I challenge you. Step into the arena and begin to serve God like never bo bo before. God bless you. Amen. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.